Today on Lockdown Red Wings, Elmer Soderblom dangerous, but the Red Wings fall 4-2 to the Dallas Stars prospects. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a podcast producer for the Daily J, a WWJ News Radio podcast. Well, Scotty's a host over at Lockdown Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 to get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown to get started. Scotty, we have a game to recap. That's just exciting to say. That is exciting to say. It's been a minute. I'm thinking we're back. I'm thinking we're back. <laughs> the John Wick gif. Uh, I, everyone's been using that all day today uh, in regards to the, the Red Wings return. I didn't mean, we're, we joked about it yesterday, but we're going to be saying, yeah, we're back about four <laughs> or five times in the next couple of weeks because – you know, we're, it's different levels of back. This is the first domino that kind of falls on, in route to the uh, season beginning. Obviously, you have the prospects tournament, which leads directly into training camp next week, which leads directly into uh, preseason, which leads directly into the regular season. So, like, from here on out, guys, we're going to have Red Wings hockey to talk about every single day. So we're either going to have games to break down or news to talk about. Uh, and we're back to five days a week starting on Monday. So... We're we're kind of back. We're kind of back. <laughs> kind of back, Scotty. Uh, so yeah, Red Wings obviously had their first game of the prospects tournament in Traverse City uh, tonight. As of recording this, yesterday, by the time you guys are listening to this, and they did unfortunately fall four to two to the Dallas Stars. But overall, I thought the Red Wings kind of outplayed the Stars, Scotty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's it's the difference between. Um like momentum in the game though I think feel like the wings had for a lot of it um I think I mean we have it on our itinerary whatever over there but like there were some really bad turnovers by the Detroit Red Wings and that was kind of like what sealed the fate of the game uh I mean at least two of the goals were off of pretty bad turnovers and so yeah like I I think that all things considered the wings probably played a better game but um you know, turnovers are a part of the game and it was like poor decision-making. Like it wasn't like, Oh, that's just like a bad turnover, whatever. Like it, it was a, a, a it was poor decision-making, which is, you know, it's hard for me to just look at like a bad choice on a pass and be like, Oh, we just won't count that. Like, so <laughs> it was sloppy and, and there were, and there were turnovers, but I, I do agree with the, uh, with your sentiment that, you know, like the wings kind of looked like the better team for for most of the game yeah i mean it would be long stretches of the red wings just dominating in the offensive zone playing yeah. keep away and then it would end in a turnover that would come back the other way on an odd man rush and result in a goal because and if you want to give dallas credit for anything they were very capable of taking advantage of their their odd man rushes of their you know goals off the fly where the red wings well as much as they were able to set up in the offensive zone and dominate, man, they could not find the puck could not get on the, into the back of the net uh, against, you know, either of their goaltenders or just actually, they only played one goaltender in this game, which is Remy Poirier. Uh, they did not put Brian Thompson at any point. Red Wings outshot the 
Uh, Dallas Stars, 34-28. PSA, guys, if you want to see the official box scores, they're on point streak. All I did was Google Traverse, Traverse City Prospects Tournament box scores, and it came up. It's on pointstreak.com slash post pro stat pros. Yo, no, I got that right. Pro stats slash pro stats. Um, so yeah, you, you can check it out there, but overall, like I said, I thought the Red Wings had a better game than the Dallas stars. They just got to clean up those turnovers individuals. Um, one, I think we should probably lead off and talk about Carter Mazur. Uh, he had a phenomenal first period. Like he had one shift in the first where he just controlled the puck and wouldn't give it up. No yeah. matter what the Dallas Stars did, they could not knock the puck off that guy's stick. He was phenomenal. But then he didn't appear at all in the second period, and we get news going into the third that he was done for the game um, and that we'd get a follow-up after the game. But he was then spotted just straight chilling in sweatpants along the boards watching the game. So the fear isn't very high on injury. It seems precautionary from what we have gathered. Yeah, yeah, it seems very precautionary. He, yeah, he he seemed fine. He was like talking on the phone, like he was like he really was like he was in sweats, just like chilling. I, I'm gonna take it as precautionary until someone gives us a reason not to. You know, there's no reason to push anyone in a game like this. Um, and yeah, the the fact that he was like on the like out there on the ice watching, and he wasn't like getting treated for anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if it was a serious injury. He'd, he'd be getting treated for something or whatnot, but he just changed into sweats and just walked out and watched the rest of the game. So, like, I, I'm not worried about it until uh, until somebody gives us a reason to worry about it. Um, but yes, performance wise, man, that he, he was. And, and you mentioned, you know, the the possession of the puck, but his skating was fantastic, yes. man. He looked like he was on a different level than a lot of the other forwards out there, and uh, you know, when compared to the stars as well, he just looked really, really good. Uh, for the time that he was out there, I was really impressed. On the power play, too, really all around. Yeah, he, he looked good. Um, I thought Elmer Soderblom looked really good as well. Um, I, I think, you know, if it weren't for the fact that Carter Mazur didn't finish the game, uh, or if Carter Mazur had finished the game, we'd be talking about him being, like, the kind of the, the standout performer. But Elmer Soderblom in the offensive zone down low was dangerous. He was beating guys to pucks in the corner. He was winning puck battles. Uh Obviously, he scored the first goal, which was an, off a nice feed from Danielson and Hannes. Danielson, by the way, two assists in this game. Uh, that's great to see. So an assist on each of the two goals the Red Wings scored. Um, but Elmer Soderblom got the backdoor goal to lead the Red Wings off. And then he had, like, one other sh- chance where he had the rebound. It got knocked into the air. He knocked it backwards and then batted it out of the air, just barely missed the net. And then he missed a wide-open net off a feed from, I think, Lombardi later in the game as well. So Elmer Soderblom, dangerous down low in the defensive zone, left quite a bit to be desired, but in in the offensive zone, I mean, he was bullying. Like, he looked like a guy who played 21 games in the NHL last season. He, he honest, let's be honest, he does not belong in this tournament. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I think you kind of, it, it was a very good game for, uh, like, seeing everything with, like, Elmer, like, in, in terms of, like, presence in front of the net, I mean, he was, like you said, he was just kind of on a different level. Um, he, he was <laughs> a force, I guess, would be the word. But, I mean, you saw some of the, the I don't know if shortcomings are the white, right, is the right word. But, like, there's nothing short about some of the areas for improvement still, too. Like, he, I mean, when he was back by the blue line, like, his turnover is what led to the first goal. Like, he – and – it wasn't a terrible pass, like in terms of accuracy. It was just the most predictable thing ever. He kept going to the corner 
over and over and over again. And eventually they just rushed him and <laughs> intercepted the puck and went and got a, got a score the other way. So I, I think that you're, you're, and that was on the power play, right? It was like very end of the power play. Um, and, uh, and again, like he was around the blue line, like, you know, at the NHL level, I can't imagine that he's going to be doing too much work, like quarterbacking the offense by the blue line. So it is what it is, but, um, I mean, yeah, as far as like carving out a role, you know, physical presence, presence in front of the net was certainly a big one for him. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, that's going to be his role pretty much at the NHL level. He talked a lot about his skating during the broadcast as well. Um, about how a lot of people think that he's not that good of a skater. And I I agree with the broadcast that I think that's totally like blown out of proportion. I mean, yes, his skating looks a little gumpy because he's six foot eight, but with how long his strides are, like he he's keeping up with the competition. He's beating guys to the corner. Like I thought, I thought his skating looks fine. I think the only thing he's going to lack because of his size is just pure agility. I don't think he's going to be able to like move side by side and stop and start as fast as other guys, but you know, going full tilt, I think he's just as fast as other guys. I don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. It's just, again, like we said, gotta, gotta make smarter plays. Can't have those turnovers, but man, when in the offensive zone, we had the puck on a stick for the most part, he was, he was pretty good. Pretty fun to watch. <laughs> he was man. Yeah. He he's, he has great, uh, great hands for, uh, yeah. For his size and 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 where he gets the puck usually, you know, like even mm-hmm. the puck on your stick down there is, is impressive. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Sebastian Kosa and uh, sprinkle in a little bit of the other players as well as we have as we find time for them. Uh, but first, I got to talk to you guys today about FanDuel. Football season has kicked off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Right now, when you bet a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, odds and overs and unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty and I are talking about the 4-2 loss in game one of the Prospects Tournament to the Dallas Stars. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about Sebastian Kosa. We talked about Carter Mazur. He looked great before the injury. Elmer Soderblom looked pretty dang good, dangerous even, down low in the offensive zone. I'll be honest, I wasn't that impressed with Sebastian Kosa's game. Uh, He only played the first half, so until halfway mark of the second period, and I understand two of those goals that he let allowed were off of three on ones, but the first two goals, he was beat absolutely clean. The first goal, he was squared up with the shooter. He didn't make a pet on that three on one. The, goal, the player did not make a pass and he beat him clean near side shoulder. Not a good look. Second one came high in the zone. It didn't look like a screen because there was really no one down low, beat him high over the glove. Just being beaten clean on hard wristers is is, is I, I'm not gonna like blow anything out of proportion because it's the prospects tournament, but it was just a little disappointing to see, you know, a guy who played so well down the stretch with the, the Toledo Walleye kind of come out and almost lay an egg in, in the first game of the prospects tournament. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm I'm with you in uh, you know, not gonna overreact too much to one game in the prospects tournament in September. But um, I, I mean, yeah, certainly. Uh, and I don't know, like it's, it's also tough because 
you're right, and I and I agree with your analysis of both of those goals that he allowed up. But like you know, the those were the only two goals he allowed were like odd man rushes where the stars had numbers and like that. Like you know what I mean? He didn't allow any other goals. It was just the two completely busted plays with bad turnovers. So I uh, I agree with you. I mean, especially I think it, uh, the first one I want to say the whatever one that uh, he he was like really like squared up on and there was no extra pass like you had said. Um, that that one you you probably have to stop at least. But yeah, I I agree with you. It, it certainly could have uh, it certainly could have gone better. I don't think he you know like really injected a lot of like I don't know excitement into the fan base with uh, with this performance. But again, only two goals allowed were like three on ones, two on ones <laughs> off of turnovers, and. It's one yeah. half of of hockey in the first game back from the offseason in the prospect tournament. What so. was so and this is where like it's hard it's hard to keep track of it during the prospects tournament, especially with the camera angle and like the lack of just like added supplemental information. He only was that third goal scored on Jan Bednar then? Yeah. Because it came it must have come right after they switched goals. Yeah, literally. It was like right minutes after. after yeah. All right. I just wanted because I, I think I said they scored three goals on Kosa then. So correct. Oh, no, I don't know. I don't think you did. Regardless, though, yes. One was on uh two were on Kosa and one was on Bednar. Yeah. And then one on an empty net. So but yeah. yeah, but yeah. both those goals were he would just be clean. Kind of that's like uh I know the first goal was a three-on-one, three-on-one off of a turnover, but like I said, Kosa was squared up with the shooter. The shooter made no inclinations that he was going to pass it. I think what happened was Kosa was cheating a little bit to his left in case he did make the pass to try sure, and yeah. you know, make it easier to cover that, and that's why he was able to be beaten clean so over the shoulder. But again, it was hard to tell because of where the camera angle is, in that, yeah. is at Traverse City to see Not what exactly camera. was happening. That's just my... Um, my uh, conjecture my my uh opinion your breakdown yeah my no breakdown. i mean like I, I i agree with you like i said I, you're not wrong nothing you said was wrong it's just yeah i don't know I, yeah i mean turnovers gonna, kill yeah not gonna get too high with highs and and too lows with lows on you know i mean he made game, he made every other save he should have made that yeah. weren't off of huge turnovers and odd man rushes. Right. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, exactly. again, I don't want to, I'm not trying to bag on him too much, but it was a little, it was a little disappointing. Yeah. Well, we'll see what he does the rest of the journey. And uh, you know, obviously when training camp and stuff rolls around, that'll be one of the bigger storylines is going to be uh, his like predetermined role going into the beginning of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so from there, Scotty, we kind of talked about the main things I want to talk about in this game, that being uh, Soderblom, Mazur, Kosa. We talked about how got the turnovers got to stop and how they really dominated the most of the game outside of those turnovers. Yeah. What other players uh, stood out to you that you want to mention? Well, I mean, like, I think just in general, uh, something we, we kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but uh, in general, like this, the the Wings had opportunities. Oh, like God, a, a so lot. many of opportunities, right? Like they had even like El, I'm pretty sure it was Elmer had like, he, um, he intercepted a pass literally right in front of the net and then like, couldn't bury the puck. All right. Like he couldn't finish. So like the, it was, it was every one, like a, a team wide, just like the, uh, really struggled to, to finish off the end of plays. And, uh, that was kind of, uh, I guess, frustrating is the word. That was kind of just something that was very noticeable because it wasn't for a lack of, you know, threats in the offensive zone. 
Um, it, for the time that we saw Amadeus Lombardi, I thought he skated well. Like, yeah. obviously, he, God, he's, he's fast. He's a, yeah, he, he didn't have any points or anything. Um, you know, it wasn't really, like, producing a lot out there. But again, like, the, it was kind of a team-wide thing at some point. Um, but he, he really was, with puck on his stick, puck off the stick, didn't matter. Uh, he, he really skated super well, and I was super impressed by how he looked. I, I agree. Um, I like Lombardi. Honestly, you know, we, we harp a lot about his Didn't size. Look tiny we, either. I know that's, that's what I was literally about to say. We harp a lot about his size, but when he was out there with the other prospects, he didn't look like he was that much smaller. Because in reality, yeah. he's not. Like, you know, ever see that meme where it's like five five foot eleven man versus six foot ten six foot yeah, man? Yeah. They're like three feet in difference. Like that's I think what where we're at with Amadeus Lombardi. He's like five foot seven, but we make him out to be like four, nine. And like, he's, he's not really that much smaller than a lot of the players in the NHL. Cause the NHL, like the average size of players is, is frequently a lot smaller than it would be obviously in the NBA or the NFL where having a height advantage, like directly correlates to being better at this respective sport. Um, it helps when you're playing a sport where the object you're trying to score is yeah, on the ground, on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> rather than in the air. Um, but I, I liked what I saw at Lombardi. I thought Danielson, obviously having two assists, looked yeah. really good. He had an opportunity down low in front with nobody around him. He also couldn't bury the puck. Go figure. We're seeing a lot of that. Uh, then Ante Tuomisto, he scored a goal yeah. as well. Uh, slap shot from the point that got deflected on the power play. Again, Danielson with the assist. Nice to see out of him. Wallander, I thought, was a mixed bag. Uh, he had a couple really nice breakouts and even a scoring opportunity himself, but one of his turnovers directly led to a goal. So, you know, they talked a lot about him between, I think, the second and the third period and, uh, you know, how this year in Grand Rapids is going to go a long way for his development. And uh, I just hope that he develops into an NHL talent because that it was, it again, I'm, I, I, I don't want to say anything too hyperbolic here in game one of a prospects tournament after all off season off, but you know, it was a mixed bag out of him in this game as well. Yeah. Which I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna like, he led the team in shots. Oh, I guess him and Elmer. I so, like, surprise. you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I I'm, I'm not going to, uh, I think that that is where a lot of these players are going to be at this present moment is going to be like, Oh, you see the potential, but also you see mistakes. That's why they're playing in this game. Like yeah. I, you know, like that, that's pretty like par for the course is, uh, in, in my brain. So Soderblom um, had six shots. Elmer had six. Yeah. That's crazy. Wallander had five. Yeah, man. Those set had five. Do set. I have to learn how to pronounce that. He's that guy who like, is kind of a late bloomer that you should all be keeping an eye on. Yeah. Yeah. He looked decent too. I think he had a turnover as well, but yeah, they it, all I mean, it was, <laughs> It, it looked like a prospects tournament game. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you saw, you saw flashes from some people and you saw some like pretty boneheaded mistakes that if they happen on NHL ice, you know, people would be freaking out about. Well, and that's exactly it, right? Like, you know, we're talking about this and we're breaking it down because it's Red Wings news that it happened. And there are things that you can look at and be like, oh, this was cool. But everything that we say about this game has to come with a huge grain of salt because it's the prospects tournament. Yeah. Like, the experience that these guys have had varies so greatly. Like you have guys like Amadeus Lombardi who are coming from the OHL playing with guys like Elmer Soderblom who had 21 games in the NHL last season. Right, yeah. So like you have fresh faced guys like 
Danielson's another great example. A guy who played with the Brandon Wheat Kings last year, <laughs> playing with a guy like William Wallander, who played professionally in the SHL. So when we break down these games, we're, you know, it's more or less just pointing out things we liked, things we didn't like, but you can't, you got to take it with a huge grain of salt because it's hard to really have a deep dive analysis on any given player or game in games like this. It's just fun. Yes. <laughs> I, I will say too, just like quick, I was surprised that um, the stars won with one goalie the entire game. Yeah, that was shocking. They mentioned on the broadcast too, that, uh, that when they didn't switch, that that was odd because almost everybody switches their goalies halfway through during yeah, the prospects was- tournament. Yeah. Um, also, we haven't even mentioned Marco Casper yet. I thought Marco Casper looked good. Yeah, we haven't mentioned Marco. Yeah, he, he looked good. I, you know, I, the, the most excited I got was, um, in the first period when like that power play one unit was nasty. Like <laughs> power play one unit was like Casper, Mazer, like Elmer, like it was like every single like big name prospect that we're excited about was all just like the five we threw out there for power play one in the first period. Um, and when I saw them all come off the bench together, I was like, hell yeah, dude, like, let's go, let's go do some damage. Let's, let's make our name known. And then there was a turnover and an odd man rush. So like it was whatever, but um, yeah, I, that was like the most pumped I got was, you know, seeing Mazer out there and yeah, he, he looked good. He had a really good defensive play. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't notice, maybe I'm completely off base here, but I didn't notice him too terribly much in the offensive zone, but I, he had a couple nice plays. His, I felt his presence defensively for sure. I mean, he, he had a couple of really, really nice plays. He had a, he saved a breakaway. There was literally mm-hmm. a, a, not like a pure breakaway. It wasn't one V one, but like, um, there was a, there was a rush like uh, Dallas had a rush that he uh, he came in from behind and kind of did like the Larkin thing and uh, poked the puck out of the way. So. Oh, here you go. Max Boltman tweeted out uh, Mazer getting evaluated with lower body injury, but wings are off on Friday. So they will have time to figure out his status for the rest of the prospects tournament. Um, so there you, there, you, there you have that. Also, I don't know if you checked before and I, let me get to a quick break. And when we come back, I'll, I'll we're just basically kind of shooting the crap now uh, regarding yeah. this. Uh, we'll kind of blend that in with a, how do you feel about it Friday? In segment three, but first I got to talk to you guys today about Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five antibiotics for emergency use and gives you peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an event of an emergency. Jace Medical, make sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off by using code LOCKDOWN at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code LOCKDOWN. Segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Uh, Scotty, I don't know if you have anything else to kind of mention or take away from this game. We kind of mentioned just players that stood out. Um, no, I think that's about it. Yeah, it looks like it looks like a prospect game, and it was fun to have hockey back on my it was TV. Fun to have hockey back. Um, I, I did see. Did you see by chance what their top six was coming into the game? Uh, I mean, I saw the lines. Yeah. I love that top six for the Red Wings. It's, it gets me. A, so your top line center was Marco Casper with Mazer and Dosette on the wings. 
second line was Nate Danielson with Soderblom and Hannes on the wings. Yeah. I, I'm like, if that does not scream like f- all your future Red Wings right there, I'm just like that. That top six gets me so pumped. And then Amadeus Lombardi was your center in line three. Or, right. I just. Well, yeah, that, that's why I liked the power play unit so much because it was pretty much that, right? Yeah. Like it was pretty much five of those top six. They just had Elmer back on the blue line. <laughs> They're like, you'll work. Like, uh, yeah, dude, that, 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 absolutely, 100%. They just figured Soderblom would see the ice so well because you can see Elmer. Right. Yeah. They just had him quarterbacking it there. Like, screw it. But I, I saw that earlier today and it kind of got me excited. I'm like, that's the future, baby. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's really all my thoughts on the prospects tournament overall or the prospects first game of the prospects tournament overall, you know, I thought the Red Wings were the better team, but they made several key mistakes that the Dallas stars were able to capitalize on. Hopefully Mazur's not long-term injured. Soderblom looked dangerous. Agreed. Nail in the coffin. All right, Scotty, oh. we have about five minutes left here. Let's do a, how do you feel about it? Friday. How do you feel about this Eagles-Vikings game that's totally not on on this TV to my right as we're talking right now? Like, are you are you rooting for an Eagles loss or a Vikings loss? For no particular reason, I'm rooting very, very, very hard for less than 48 points to be scored. Mm, somebody, somebody visited FanDuel.com earlier today, promo code locked on. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty darn good about it at the present moment. Well, for no particular reason, um, I'm hoping that the Eagles win by a touchdown or more. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no particular reason. No particular all. reason for that specific uh, score difference. No, yes, but as I- long as uh, less than 48 and a half <laughs> points are scored, I will be very pleased with the outcome of this football game. There's a debate going on in Metro Detroit right now about whether or not you should be rooting for the Eagles or the Vikings in this game. Because people say if you're not afraid of the Vikings and you think this division is the Red Wings, you should be rooting for the Vikings to win because that will affect overall NFC seeding if the Mm -hmm. Eagles lose. Whereas everyone else is like, well, the Vikings are in your division, so you, of course, just want them to lose at every possible course. Where are you at on that one? Um, This early in the season, I am rooting against my division. I I think it's also like the Eagles are one of the best teams in football. Like I'm not going to in week two, I'm not going to like hold my breath about like, Oh, we need to have a better record than the Philadelphia Eagles. Like (laughs) team that literally almost won the Super Bowl last year and has like a great roster still. Like I'm, I, I, I I understand the logic. Like I, I understand the, the sentiment, but, this early in the season, I think you just be rooting against your division and yeah. because you just want to be in first place for as long as possible. Sounds good. All right. What do you got for me? Um, honestly, I was going to ask you how you felt about under 48 and a half points to be scored in that football game. I stole it from him. How do you feel about two weeks left of Miguel Cabrera's baseball career? Uh, I don't know how you're going to feel about my answer. I mean, I don't think there's like a wrong answer. I it's it's time, you know, yeah. Yeah. like I, he had a great career, but his career has kind of been over for like two years. 
Uh, (laughs) at least. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited for the new era to kind of begin. Obviously I'm grateful for all the good times he gave us. I'm never going to forget, you know, the triple crown and back-to-back MVPs. Um, but I'm like, okay, now we can. And I like, obviously all the, all the, I love every time he, you know, passes another legend. Yeah. Uh, but I am very much ready for the next baseball season with hopefully some new faces in the clubhouse that'll help elevate this team. I mean, with how good Carpenter and Torkelson have been and Riley green was before his injury and Parker Meadows looks like he's legit. And then next year you also might get Colt Keith. And uh, what's the other guy's name that's down there? Justin Henry Malloy. I'm Malloy, assuming. Yeah. Henry Malloy. Yep. Uh, I mean, there's some really good young, and that's not even talking. We haven't even mentioned any of the pitchers. And then if they can bring in anybody in the off season, like free agency wise, like the team could, this division sucks. Like they could very easily win this division next year. It sure does suck. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't think that that's an incorrect take. Like I, I think everybody realizes it's time, but I honestly, I think that that's what makes these last two weeks even cooler is like, everybody's aware, like, okay, like this is like, this is like, it's very rare that you have a legend in a sport or a legend of your team. Like you have a concrete end. Like I know that this is the end. He knows that that it's the end. Like everybody is aware that this is the right thing to do. Um, And yeah, it's just crazy. Like I was thinking the other day, the last time that Miguel Cabrera was not on the Detroit Tigers, I was in elementary school. Yeah, he joined I, in what? Uh, oh six, oh five, oh seven, oh seven. I I mean, I'm I'm in my mid twenties. Like I like I, the last time that that Miggy wasn't on my baseball team, I was like eight or nine years old. Yeah, I was eleven. So that's same, just crazy. Like that's wild. Um, how about a hockey one? How do you feel about this? Uh, this comment that John Scott made on his dropping gloves podcast or whatever, saying that the Iser plan has failed. What? Okay. Uh, I feel like that that's like the equivalent of if I put a pie in the oven. Okay. I'm, I'm excited it, to see where this is going. I put a pie in the oven and I set the timer for an hour. Okay. And then at the 40 minute mark, I looked at it and went, this pie is going to taste like garbage. <laughs> like it's literally still in the oven and there's 20 minutes left on the timer. No one's eaten it. It's not even cooked yet. And I'm like, this thing sucks. That's the equivalent of that comment. Yeah. I mean, it's really short sighted. I think it's really easy to look at four years of Steve Eiserman's tenure here and be like, what do they have to show for it? They haven't made the playoffs until you like take a deep dive, look at it. And you and I are obviously biased, right? We're huge Red Wings fans, but we're also very close to the situation. And that has its drawbacks and its pros. And the pro is like, we've seen every step of the way, what Eiserman's had to do fight tooth and nail to achieve with this team. You know, this team was on pace for like 45 points in 2019 and they fell to fourth overall. They didn't get like the draft lottery has screwed them over time and time again. They never once moved up in the draft, only ever moved down in the draft. When Eisman took over, they legitimately had nobody in the prospects pool and he, they were 
drowning in horrible contracts. He quite literally had to take what they have, tear it all back down while simultaneously trying to rebuild the prospects pool without any premium draft picks. And he's done just that. So yeah, it's really easy to look at this offseason as a vacuum and be like, oh, they're signing mediocre talent. Uh, the rebuild's a failure. But like in reality, when you see what Eisman's done with what he's been given, it's been phenomenal. And plus, like you said, it's not even over yet. Like they've improved every single year under Eiserman's tenure. Went from 45 points to like 60 points to 70 points to 80 points last year. Until so, they plateau or take a step backwards, it, that's not literally not a comment that is like, like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. That's, like, just what Eiserman has done with what he was given to start has been phenomenal. So when I see comments like that and it's, and, and yeah, there are, there are aspects of this rebuild that can be like, you can be critical of, I don't think it's been perfect. I'm not trying to suggest you should have blind faith in your general manager. We had an episode last season where we talked about like, you know, the Iser plan, like whether or not you can be critical of it. And we are both very strong, feel very strongly that you should be critical of your general manager at any given point. We gave a lot of carte blanche to Steve Eisman when he first started out because of what he had achieved in Tampa. Um, and plus, obviously, his legacy here. But we're at a point now where it's very, very fair to be like, I'm, you know, looking at what you're... And we have been critical, too. Like, the Sherratt and the Hall signings. We've been critical on that. We're it's giving it the benefit of the doubt to see how it plays yeah. out, but we've questioned it. So, I mean all things considered, I think he's done a pretty dang good job at making this team competitive. Like last year they were, you know, in the playoff hunt up until the deadline and they weren't eliminated until the final game of the season. The season before that, that wasn't the situation. The season before that definitely was not the situation. I mean, they went from being eliminated from the playoffs in February in 2019 to wondering whether or not they should buy at the deadline in February of 2023. So, I mean, that alone speaks to the, to the changes that this team has made. Yeah. I don't even like, I don't even think it's that like, like again, like I don't even think it's that complicated. It's literally just like, you're commenting on something that's not done. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like that, that's really all there is to it. To me, it's pretty cut and dry. <laughs> yeah. It's like you were saying, it's like if you had like a batch of cookies in the oven and halfway, halfway through you, you turn on the oven light and you saw that they were still doughy and you're like, it's failure. It's right. over. It's like, these aren't done. Like, <laughs> I don't know. That's really, uh, really quickly, I'll ask you a hockey one and then we'll get out of here. Um, how do you feel about what if I just like randomly picked a team? I was just like, how do you feel about this? I'd team? answer you. You know, uh, how do you then? feel about pancakes? No. Okay, I'm I'm just this is dead air. This is not good. Um, how dead do you air. Feel about the how do you feel about the Devils? Last season they were like supposed to be bad and ended up being really good. Do you expect that to carry over into this year? Uh, I know. I think they're very good. I okay. I expected them to be good eventually because they had yeah they, just jumped. they I, just jumped I, they jumped yeah. sooner than I expected. Uh, I didn't think they'd be as good as they were last year. That was incredible the year that they had. And I think they are legit because that prospects pool that they had is incredible, especially now that the addition of Luke Hughes, you know, some of the guys they acquired this offseason as well. Jack Hughes is phenomenal. Yeah. I, I really love that devil's team. I think they're really good. And I think they're a legitimate threat in the Stanley cup conversation. Um, Agreed. 
I think their big question mark still is goaltending, but that seems to be the ongoing trend around the league. Yes, didn't, the didn't goalie's they, very valuable. Didn't they sign a new goalie this offseason? I don't keep track on every single move that every team does. Remember um, last season? Oh, yeah, it's Akira Schmid and Vitek Vanacek. I, yeah, their goaltending is going to be a thing for them. Vanacek, nice. So, although he was pretty good last year, nine eleven and fifty two games played, so maybe maybe not. I mean, See, is, I'm just showing showcasing how like casual of a Devils watcher I am right now. Oh, no, but like still, I mean, but yeah, all right. Uh, I like them. I like them a lot. They're one of the more fun teams to watch in the league right now. They were certainly fun last year, yeah. So, all right, Scotty, let's send them off into the weekend. Let's do it. We'll have like what two, three more prospects tournament games to talk about when we come back on uh on Monday. Two. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. Every day. We ball.